Good Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of the KLI and Husker Hour. It is the 2023 is almost over edition of the KLI and Husker Hour. We've got one more show left this year. I'm Cole Stukenholtz. We've got Matt McMaster live from Skokie, Illinois. I think someone's vacuuming in my house right now. <laughs> I, I, they, what, a, what an intro! <laughs> I, no, I think no. I have a radio. Sh- I don't know. I, I don't. Or no, I think it's no. It's not vacuuming. I think my sister's blow drying her hair or something right in the room right right next to me. She should know I'm I'm hosting a radio show right now. But, you know, but I, yeah, welcome to Husker Hour. I was I was literally just about to say I have no idea what direction this show will take, and I was proven right without even having to say that because yeah, not not vacuuming but blow drying and. It's, Look, it's you never know what you get with at the break. McMaster house. It's winter break. I'm just it's just everything everything's up up in the air right now in terms of the quality <laughs> of the product that we're going to be putting over the air. I mean, we we really are in the dead period of sport news too, at least for college sports as well. So I mean, it's just uh, it's it's a it's a very interesting end to 2023. A very interesting year, might I add, in yes. in Husker sports. Yes, extremely interesting. You have. We're 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 definitely going to dig into uh, to quite a bit of the uh, the year end review stuff. Uh, we are going to be joined as well by Husker twenty four sevens Michael Brunts uh, in a bit to kind of check in with him and and get his thoughts on the recruiting class that uh, just wrapped up last week uh, and to see see how he uh, kind of reacted to, to all the all the Riola news and and the way that everything else finished up with Matt Rule's twenty twenty four class. Uh, and and we're also going to hit a little bit on uh, the basketball with. You know, men, men's and women's, that's the, the in-season sport. Uh, but, yeah, a lot of year in review, a lot of wrap-up stuff. And, and yeah, with year number one of Matt Rule, with that late-season run last year and this hot start that the men's basketball team's gotten off to, baseball playing right down to the wire with the best team in the Big Ten in the Big Ten tournament, but coming up a little bit short. Uh, and, obviously, uh, with the women's sports just – Taking all of the all the attention, all the hype, and deservedly so, the way that they have been performing uh, with Jordy Ball coming to Nebraska after winning a couple of national championships at Oklahoma for softball, the way that Amy Williams has recruited and continued to run that program well, uh, and and obviously I think the highlight of the year for the athletic department was Volleyball Day in Nebraska, the way that they captured the imagination of first Trev Alberts and John Cook and then the way they kind of parlayed it into okay we've got quite a few tickets sold uh let's open up this other wing of the stadium let's sell the whole stadium out okay uh let's go for the world record for a women's sporting event just incredible incredible feat for the athletic department and and the volleyball program in particular um uh, yeah, we we can just we can just start there. I mean, year in review. You want to go into grades? Uh, let's say grades for a little bit, but let's yeah, let's kind of okay, discuss. Let's discuss kind of what all went into this because that yeah, Matt and I want to kind of look at how the athletic department did this year, and I and and, and kind of you know say hey. This is where they came up short. This is where they really succeeded. Uh, this is where they're kind of laying a foundation. Um, and and let's start with the women's sports because the women's sports had a moment this year, and and volleyball uh, especially had a moment not just at Nebraska but nationwide. And I think Nebraska led that charge. They were number one for a good chunk of the of the regular season, made it to the national championship game, did it with. Uh, basically half of their rotation is freshmen. 
Uh, just just an impressive year all around for the women's sports, and and I think a lot more to come with uh, the way the women's basketball uh, has uh, set themselves up. Uh, and and also with Jordy Ball coming for softball, it's it's uh, it's been a a very good time uh, in women's sports here in Nebraska. So I I think when and then anyone who follows sports and roots for a team going into a year, you think well if this goes right and this goes right and this goes right, this could happen. And and typically in any sport, more often times than not, not everything goes right. All the all the optimism that you had going into the year. Uh, it, it just, most of it doesn't pan out. I mean, heck, most of the people listening to the show are Husker football fans. I mean, that's basically every and that's it, right. off season. Yeah. It's basically every single off season for the last decade for this Husker football program, the opposite happened. And I've never really seen it before. The opposite happened though, with volleyball, you, you think, well, you have these five freshmen and, even though that they're all really highly recruited and, and this is a very highly touted class, eh, you know, maybe they, they, they struggle a little bit in their inexperience. Maybe, you know, Merritt Beeson, she's a really good player, but, uh, you know, maybe she doesn't take the next step. Maybe all those, all those optimistic points that people had going into the season about whether or not this young group could, could perform and live up to the hype, all of it went well. Harper Murray was everything you thought she would be. Be. Bergen Riley was everything you, sh- you thought she would be. Merritt Beeson was everything you thought she would be, and more. And then on top of that, the players who were here last season, Lexi Rodriguez, Becca Alec, Lindsey Krause, before she got hurt, Allie, Allie Badenhorst, lived up to what they had been in years past and took a step forward as well. Uh, I forgot to mention Andy Jackson. She was everything, and more Laney Choboy as well in terms of the freshman who stepped up. So in terms of Oscar Volleyball, did it end the way – that they wanted it to know they wanted to be national champions and, and they came up just short second place, but everything went well, you know, everything that you thought could go well, went well. And then on top of that, they broke a world record. And I think that's a <laughs> testament to, you know, what they are, the product that yeah. they put on the court, the, the program that John cook has built and, and the Husker Husker fans, Husker nation just, you know, it, it's it's very simple, I think, Cole, and, and, and my years in being here in Lincoln and, and following these sports teams, if you build it, they will come. That that is that is just Husker Nation in general. If you build something, people will come. And I think we saw that throughout the entirety of this sport calendar year. Yeah, no doubt. And with with volleyball, they they've always been uh, they, they've always been the power program, uh, at least for the last decade, really. They've been the program to model all, all the other programs after uh, with within Nebraska's athletic department. And this year, they, they found a way to somehow take it to another level, which is just super impressive. Is, I don't think anyone thought they yeah. could do, considering yeah. all the success that they've had. Yeah, and I mean, you say the world, you know, the world record thing. It, it still makes me kind of giggle a little bit. Like the yeah. the freaking world record for a women's sporting event is is Nebraska volleyball. It's it's incredible, and and obviously a big part of the way that volleyball has built their program and the way John Cook has just created this machine is the recruiting aspect. And it's not uncommon for him to have, you know. Players in the top five, multiple players in the top five nationally, top players at their position, uh, top three players at their position across the board in, in every position that he recruits. And, and recruiting is important, obviously, to all sports. And with the women's sports, and we can kind of parlay this into the, the Dylan Riola part as well, you saw Jordy Ball, the biggest prize in the transfer portal for, for softball, come to Nebraska. Granted, she's a Nebraska native, but... Hey, you still got to close the deal, and they did, and, and she's going to be here, and Bullen Stadium is looking to add seats. They're trying to set attendance records uh, all year long this, this upcoming season as well. And don't forget, the women's, women's basketball got Britt Prince from Elkhorn North. Yeah. She committed to the Huskers. She could have gone anywhere she wanted. Anywhere. Down in Nebraska and Indiana. Um, Indiana, by the way, uh, big matchups for both the women and the men coming up here the first week of January. Um, and, and so getting those big recruiting wins, that is where you start. I mean, John Cook obviously has, has taken the volleyball program, uh, to a level of consistency that's unmatched, but 
if if you're going to start to build foundations like that in other sports, you've got to get those big wins where you can get them. And to get Jordy Ball, to get Britt Prince, to get Dylan Riola, the recruiting game has to be ramped up. I think Trev Alberts realizes that. Um, I, I think looking at the way that volleyball is is structured, I don't think you can expect that type of that type of victory in the recruiting game every season. But to get the ones where you're really in there with a shot to get Jordy Ball, Papillion, to get Britt Prince, Elkhorn, to get Dylan Riola, uh, Legacy, you know, it, all of those mm-hmm. all of those opportunities that you have, you've got to strike when the iron's hot. And, and the fact that they did that in so many areas, in so many different sports, uh, they took advantage of those opportunities, and, and that's a big reason why they're 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 trending in the right direction in those sports. I think that you say strike the iron is hot. I would say, in my opinion, it's more so having programs prepared. Yep. Jordy Ball, I think, transferring. She was homesick from Oklahoma. She wanted to come back to Nebraska. Yeah. And if Nebraska softball was in the dumps and Ronda Revelle didn't have that program where she has it now, winning 36 games last season, competing for Big Ten titles year in and year out. They won a Big Ten title. Uh, they won the Big Ten tournament, I think, two years ago. So if she didn't have that program where it's at, Jordy Ball probably goes to probably goes to Creighton, or maybe she goes to Iowa, or maybe she goes to a different Midwest program closer to home where her parents can go and see her play. But because Ronda Revelle and, and Trev Alberts has trusted Ronda Revelle for, for so long because she had that program where it's at, Jordy Ball went to Nebraska. I think when you look at Britt Prince, that was just good old-fashioned recruiting for Mamie Williams. That was just yeah. boots to the ground, committing herself to to, to Britt Prince and, and uh, laying a, a foundation and, and a blueprint for what she can be as, as a Husker that clearly was more enticing to her than any other offer she got, and she got offers from all across the country. If you look at Dylan Rayola, I think the same thing can be said about you know uh, the program being in the right spot. I think it's at this point, a year in, you can say that as of right now, Albert's made the right hire, especially in terms of the off-the-field stuff and the player development and the the resume that Matt Rule had because you know and, and I think people keep saying well we got to stop talking about Scott Frost Scott Frost is a part of the history of Nebraska okay you can't stop talking about him he is an incredibly important piece of history in terms of Nebraska football and so I'm never afraid to go back and keep talking about him because that's what you know he's he's that right and so you look at what they had before from Rule to Frost. Rule was a proven program builder. Frost wasn't. Frost was Frost. Yeah. Frost did a good, you know, he had a great season, that 13-0 season with you at UCF. But Matt Rule has proven multiple times, unlike Scott Frost, that he can build programs and win games and 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 compete and, and develop players. And I think it was a good hire by 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 Trev Alberts. And then you look on the recruiting trail. That was clear. That's clearly enticing to do all recruits because they got a one heck of a recruiting class, you know. And Nebraska, for for all intents and purposes, Cole has no reason to get good recruiting classes based based off of the success that they've had over the last ten years. So I think it's just a testament to the hire that Alberts made and a testament to the how good of a recruiter Rule is. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, there's there's a, there's a we've always talked about inherent disadvantages with recruiting and it certainly hasn't helped that you you lose seven uh bowl opportunities seven consecutive well, losing seasons that and just geography too yeah i mean yeah. geography weather just everything i mean the the only thing that really goes for nebraska is what they've built right and that's a an, an incredible high financial base and a a rooted tradition but outside of that Everything goes against them, especially now in this era of Nebraska football. And they found a guy that clearly has been able to battle through that and and get to what some people are calling the number one prospect in the country in only his second year as head coach and first truly full recruiting cycle. So I I think, you know, it's. I don't think it's hyperbole to say that the future is bright for Nebraska football, and I don't think that's something we would have uttered 12 months ago. And, and that in itself is an accomplishment. Yeah, yeah, I agree. The, the foundation 
has certainly been laid uh, in in football and in other sports too. We're going to keep that conversation going as we continue on with this kind of year in review episode of the KLI and Husker Hour. We will be joined right after this by Husker 24-7's Michael Brunts. We're going to get his thoughts on the Dylan Riola commitment, uh, all of those shenanigans over the last few weeks, uh, along with the rest of the 2024 class uh, as a whole. And uh, yeah, lots more to come here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Stay with us. Talking with current and former Huskers and those that cover the Big Red. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. Continuing along here with our look back at 2023 in general and at a lot of different aspects of it and somebody who covers not just football, but kind of a, a little bit of everything over at Husker 24-7 is Michael Brunts, who joins us now here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Brunts, how are you this morning? Not bad. What's going on? Oh, we are, uh, we're, we're kind of running back everything in our minds about uh, 2023 uh, and, and looking ahead to 24. And obviously, I want to get to recruiting and, and what happened over the last three or so weeks with Dylan Riola and the rest of the 24 class, but... Uh, you're just following the athletic department in general as you do. What sticks out to you uh, about the 2023 year when you look back at it? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think uh, I think you kind of look across the board at you know not just football and and you know things like that, but I, I, it feels like things are trending in a positive direction over there um, in the in the AD. Um, you know, especially on the women's side of the ledger, um, a lot of good seasons uh, in a number of sports. I think, um, you know, basketball seems to finally be settled a little bit, um, you know, with, with kind of the different approach that, that Fred Hoiberg took from his first few years. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think overall it was a pretty good year. I mean, I think you'd like to see, would have liked to see more progress in football and more success on the field, but, um you know, it, it, it it's an interesting time in college athletics, um, as you well know. I mean, the it's going to look different two years from now. And, you know, I think Nebraska actually is in a pretty good spot and I think it's pretty forward-thinking in a lot of ways for what is going to be coming down the road um, with commentary alignment, um, you know, how you factor paying players and how that's going to look, because I think that's going to look a lot different sooner than later. And uh, I don't know, I mean, I, it feels like, you know, things are in good hands, which that, that I don't know that you would have always said that over the last 10, 15 years. Bruns McMaster here. I want to thank you for coming on. I got two questions for you. First off, now that we're in a bit of a dead period in recruiting and transfer portal uh, uh things right now how much sleep have you gotten over the last couple of days <laughs> uh not as much as i'd like we're in that okay the, the, we're in that weird like the, the the between christmas and new year's it's like you, you never not quite know what day it is you, you never know <laughs> yeah. what time it is and it, it's just like constantly being in an airport or a casino like the you, you don't really see the sun the time doesn't really matter Sure. Um, and, and you really don't you don't know where you're at. But no, it, it's it was good to kind of catch catch the breath a little bit after National Signing Day for a few days. And you know, with the portal stuff, I mean, I, it's, you know, Nebraska isn't really as you know running crazy with it as some schools are or have been. Yeah. Which I think is a sign of strength for the team overall. But uh, you know, some of my colleagues at twenty four seven. You know, it, it's like you basically wrap up signing day and then you're still getting, you know, transfer portal commits at 11 o'clock at night, uh, you know, the day of Christmas and stuff like that. So it, it never stops. But at least at least here, um, you know, it, it seems like there's a little bit of a downtime, which is very welcome. It, it's a it, I feel like that first year when you hire when a new coaching staff is hired, it's just like a sprint for the whole year. And uh, yeah, that's kind of what this year's felt like. I totally agree. Okay, so last week, Cole and I had our big episode on the 24 recruiting class, and, and we, we broke a lot of things down in the outlook of it. Uh, one of my favorite things that we talked about was was kind of sleepers, guys that we like that maybe uh, people aren't talking about. Uh, 
about as much, you know, kind of staying away from, you know, the Bricks and the Talmoas and the Nelsons and the Rayolas. Uh, do you have a, a sleeper pick? Do you have a guy that maybe not a lot of Husker fans know about that you think can can make a big impact either uh, instantly or, or, or in the future? Yeah, it, it's an interesting question. I mean, the, with the way that the staff kind of recruits, I mean, I think you're always going to have guys in the class that are that you would kind of qualify as a sleeper, right? Like yeah. when you have, you know, guys coming to camps in June that had like one FCS offer, they were on a four, four and all of a sudden they're coming back the following week on an official visit. I mean, I, I think you're, you're going to tend to have a few of those types of guys in, in the class every year, which I think is a good thing. I mean, I think, I think that Nebraska can kind of find maybe not the, the next money ball is not football camp, but it, it kind of feels that way a little bit where if, if you're willing to evaluate a kid, bring him in and, and really get a good look at him. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, you can find some talent that way. I mean, I think Rex Guthrie out of Colorado um, kind of slots into that Isaac Gifford role uh, in, in the future. And, you know, I, I, he was extremely productive as a junior, had just some absolute freak leg injury. Uh, and when I say freak, it was just he got rolled up on, dislocated an ankle, and, you know, your, your senior season's done two two games in. Um, but I, I think he's going to end up being a really good find for Nebraska out of the camps. Uh, Donovan Jones at Omaha North was another guy that, you know, really wasn't, I, I don't think, on a lot of our radars a potential commitment or a guy that was going to be a potential offer. But, I mean, when you kind of go down the list of guys that had great senior seasons, I don't know there were many better than him. And he's kind of in that same vein with, with Guthrie where, you know, he could be that rover, could could end up at safety, maybe corner. I mean, he's just a really, really good athlete. So those two kind of come to mind. Um, maybe not as much of a sleeper, but a guy that, you know, I, I think is maybe not talked about as much as he probably should be is Ja'Cory Barney. And, you know, it's like, okay, you know, a fringe four-star guy, how is he really a sleeper? You know, he's played quarterback at times for his high school team. He's, he's going to be up here um, in the spring, and that always is, is such a huge advantage for guys playing early. And I, and I think that that's probably a guy in the class that isn't getting as much run behind the Brickses and the Riolas and things like that as maybe he should be. So that's kind of where my mind goes. Chatting with Husker 24-7's Michael Brunts here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Uh, Brunts, obviously the, the Dylan Riola news kind of dominated everything for uh, a couple of weeks there. What was your uh, top-line reaction to just how Matt Rule and his staff kind of stayed in the game on that and, and then how they ultimately closed the deal? Yeah, I I don't even know how much like they were in the game. I guess if that makes sense. Like I, yeah. I think in some ways they'd kind of moved on. Um, you know, once he'd committed to Georgia, I, I you know I, I think what it speaks to is just the the ability of the staff to develop relationships and to, to kind of weather recruiting conversations that are sometimes really difficult. I mean, I, I think when you kind of look back on the way that they recruited the quarterback position since they got here, they were kind of back in it with Riola, um, you know, in, in the winter and, you know, made the big visit coming in for the basketball game. He was here in the spring. And then, you know, it was pretty clear that things were trending away from Nebraska. And they went with Daniel Kaywood, who, oh, by the way, he's an elite 11 quarterback. And if you go by the go go back and kind of look at the way that that all came together, I mean, you basically like told this local kid that wanted to go to Nebraska, hey, you know, you're going to have to wait, or we can't pursue you now because we're going this route. And you know, the the relationship was strong enough there that when the door opened for him, he jumped jumped through it. So I, I just think they did a really good job of kind of managing all that. And, and that's tough to do. I mean, it, it really is. Um, you know, when you're kind of, especially at the quarterback spot, you, you usually only get one guy. And, you know, it, it, for them to get two, the quality that they did, I, I think that's a, that's a big coup for the staff. And, and to do that while kind of pivoting <laughs> when, when you have Kyle McCord on, on campus uh, for an official visit, it, it was just kind of a wild 72 hours. Yeah, no doubt. And, and, 
pivoting away a little bit more from uh, Nebraska and, and looking at kind of college football in general as you have the the twelve team playoff coming and and no more divisions in the Big Ten with eighteen teams. Looking ahead and, and kind of summarizing twenty three and looking ahead at twenty four, is Nebraska positioned well enough to you know now that you've gotten hopefully a a good quarterback foundation for the future. Uh, you've got Tony White back for another season. Not that they're going to challenge for the playoff in 24, but is Matt Rule in 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 position to kind of take Nebraska in the right direction with all of the changes that are coming in, in the Big Ten, in, in particular in college football in general? Yeah, it, it's an interesting conversation because, you know, in, in some ways the way that Nebraska is choosing to do things is kind of flying in the face of the way a lot of programs are doing it right now. I mean, I, I think a lot of a lot of programs are more than happy to go portal heavy to, to completely reset the deck every year. Um, I think you know, at some spots, you kind of have to do that. I mean, quarterbacks just kind of that way. It, it seems like nowadays, but um, it, it's going to be fascinating to see how they're able to do it because I, I think that defense next year, just talking about 24, I think that defense is going to be really, really good. Um, I, and I, I think they have the ability to win Nebraska some games. I think they're going to keep them in every game that they're going to be in. And, you know, it's, it's everything kind of comes down to whether or not you can kind of get things right on offense. I mean, last year's team was probably an eight or nine win group. Um, if you can just figure out the turnovers and play consistent special teams, um, so they're close. I mean, and I know people have been saying that for years, it feels like. But, I mean, I think they have a good recipe where they can kind of, uh, you know, get get close to that 8-9 win number. And, you know, if you're in the Big Ten, you win nine games. I mean, you're probably – are we calling those bubble teams? If they're in the conversation for the playoff, what, have we decided that yet? I, I, I like that term. We can we can coin that term. We can we'll, – we'll, we'll give you the rights to that term I like that bubble team. Bubble team. They're like the Broncos. They've been uh, in the hunt for, for uh, <laughs> ages on that little graphic. But I mean, I, I think yeah. that's. I, I think if, if the, the the way that the playoff expanding, I mean, it just opens the door so much for you know a team like Missouri, for example, or a team like Nebraska. If you can kind of get into that nine, eight, nine, ten win conversation, um, you're you're at least going to be there when it matters. So. Um, you know, we'll see. I mean, I, Nebraska is, is still a team with warts, um, but I, I think also you have to feel pretty good about the development that happened in year one under the staff. Brunch, real quick before we let you go, we're now kind of transitioning to the 2025 recruiting class. Can you give us one guy that it seems like this coaching staff is heavy on and that we should keep an eye on in terms of uh, his uh, pending commitment or, or the, the, pursue, the pursuing of uh, his commitment? Yeah, it, it's actually it's funny. I mean, I would have said Alex Mansky, um, the quarterback out of Iowa. Um, you know, I, I think Nebraska was in a really good spot for him. I think they still are. I, I think though, when you bring in two quarterbacks in, in twenty four uh, in the previous class, that that maybe muddies the, the picture a little bit. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think we're kind of resetting the board a little bit, trying to figure out what the numbers are going to look like because yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you just look at what Nebraska's done numbers-wise the last two classes. You're kind of like, how the heck are you going to make this work and, and, and uh, you know, bring in a sizable class in 25? I think they're still going to do it. But, um, you know, I, I think, I, I think you know, going into this class, running back is going to be a really big need that you have to hit on. You need to continue to add uh, defensive, uh, defensive linemen. Uh, they were pretty light in that area uh, this past recruiting class, and that's going to be a big area of emphasis. And, you know, I, I think you just need to continue to find playmakers on offense. So it, it, it doesn't feel like it should be as large of a class, but, um, you know, I probably wouldn't have said that 24, the 24 class is going to be pushing 26, 27 guys either. So I'm, uh, I'm happy to be wrong. He's always in the hunt with, uh, with us here at the KLI and Husker Hour, just like his Denver Broncos. That's Michael Brunts, Husker 24-7. Hey, Brunts, thanks for all the time here in 23, and uh, we'll talk to you again in 2024. Sounds good, guys. Happy New Year. All right, Thanks, Michael. Year. Michael Brunts. There he goes. Uh, yeah, good stuff as always. Um, as always. Yeah, man, the 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 25 recruiting class hadn't even crossed my mind. 
But you know, know. that it's well, you, you know that it's, it's all I mean, that Matt Rule has been thinking about. <laughs> he's what you got. He's he. Mike brought up a great point. I mean, they brought in what thirty guys in in twenty three. Now they brought in about twenty seven guys in twenty four. I mean, plus this the portal. class. I mean, they it, it might end up being sixteen, seventeen guys, not out of you know uh, uh, preference, but maybe out of necessity because you still have other scholarships you have. To the honor, but here I'll say this: the NIL discussion makes it a little bit easier to get guys here without putting them on scholarship, and we kind of saw that in, in the 2024 class. Yeah, no doubt. And 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 the other thing with Riola, his his commitment now, as late as it was in the 2024 cycle, you're maybe going to see the Dylan Riola effect in recruiting for the 2025 Absolutely. class. Absolutely, uh, especially they, if he goes out and plays. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, uh, we are going to get to another break here. We've got. Plenty more to get to. Uh, we also have some uh, uh, hoops. There was a <laughs> there was a game yesterday. Uh, it was it wasn't uh, wasn't competitive, uh, but it was a game. Um, and uh, we, yeah, we'll we'll get you ready for what's up next for the men and the women. Uh, they've got some big matchups with Indiana uh, in the first week of January, uh, and uh, and then what's beyond that as well. Uh, plus our grades for the athletic department. Uh, Our year in review show here on the KLI and Husker Hour continues right after this. Your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers is right here. You're listening to the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. Big thanks to Michael Brunts from Husker 24-7 just joined us. Running down quite a bit. If you missed that, uh, definitely make sure you are subscribed to the K-Line Husker Hour on your favorite podcast platform of choice. You can uh, always find us over at Husker Max. Uh, you can get the links to the podcast shows as well. Uh, and, and, of course, hey, thanks for listening live if you are on K-Line uh, or uh, K-Line.com. Hey, so we are uh, kind of running things down uh, in terms of the 2023 year in review, uh, focusing more on football. Um, I look, I, I, I had us at five and seven. Um, and, and so you know, did after, I. so did I, after the, <laughs> after the start, you, you kind of got a little bit pessimistic. And then after the middle of the season, oh my goodness, look at this. They've already got five, they're five and three and Hey, they ended up right where we had them anyway. What, what do you take away from the 2023 season? It, it, what's your top line? You know, what, what's your thoughts? Quarterback positions. Pretty important. I don't know if that's a hot take uh, or, or uh, sorry, I was being sarcastic there. Um, my biggest takeaway is player development. That's okay. my biggest takeaway because I feel like we were um, not promised that, but that was kind of the marketing campaign of Matt Rule and a big reason as to why Trev Alberts made the decision he made. And I think you and I have kind of beat this point like a dead horse the previous um leader of the program was not good at player development at all really good at recruiting but not good at player development and i think that in year one we kind of saw that shine through because once again and i've said this i think over and over again but it's just it's just a testament to this staff javen wright was on the team last year and on a on a last year's defense was not good and Javen Wright was on that team, and he didn't play. Well, he was incredible this year. And same thing with Makai Bayer, and same thing with Henrich, and same thing with Robinson, and John same Bullock. thing with Hupmaker, same thing with Buckley, same thing with Gifford and Brown. And you, you go on the other end of the ball, maybe not as prevalent, but we saw some freshmen, really, who weren't – they weren't getting – any run to begin in the year and granted they were kind of forced to be played at the end of the year because of injuries but we did see Jalen Lloyd become better in front of our eyes throughout the year we did see Malachi Coleman become better you know in front of our eyes look at Bryce Benhart Bryce Benhart for what was really kind of laughed at last year at that tackle spot I mean he was a guy that was on the butt end of a lot of jokes and, and a lot of criticism that entire offensive line and he's now a guy who's coming back so he could develop another year and maybe get drafted into the NFL. That's something that we would have never said a year ago. And Matt Wool said that this time last year at press conferences, and we still kind of laughed at him because we're like, Bryce Benhart? 
NFL guy? I don't know. He didn't have that great of a season. I mean, he developed into a guy who is who's incredibly trusted on that offensive line and that people were really happy when he announced he was coming back. So I think the biggest takeaway for me for this season doesn't necessarily have to do with record or have to do with the inability to close out games or or the lack of uh, execution at the most important position on the field. It has to do with the fact that we were promised a guy who can develop players, and we saw a lot of those players develop and get better. And I think that is an incredibly great sign. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, the way that I think Bryce Benhart is the the main example to point to for me because you you have guys who are you know maybe not not utilized in the right way. Obviously, they do position changes all the time. Um, does this staff, but but for Bryce Benhart to be as consistent as he was this year after being you know at times very bad, he wasn't he wasn't good. He wasn't good. Let's just say it. Let's just call a spade a spade. He wasn't good last year. And this year he was probably your best offensive line. Yeah, he, he was he was your most most consistent, 100%. Most consistent. And, and I mean, so him, him and yeah. Ben Scott. I mean, it was and, and an offensive line group that was once again, let's call spade a spade, at times terrible last year. And Matt Rule stuck with his guns, stuck with a guy who a lot of people thought would be the first one out the door in Donovan Rayola as an offensive line coach, and they got tenfold better. Yeah, yeah. And and the other thing that I, I will think of looking back at the 2023 season, you saw this coaching staff in, in you know, midseason, the ability to adapt. Uh you you had obviously the the quarterback situation was the the biggest example to point to with hey we're going to we're going to roll with this guy Jeff Sims and that obviously did not work out and then yeah. he got hurt and and then you're forced your your hand is forced to to go to a different pl- uh, quarterback and you you kind of fit the offense around that quarterback and make it work and you win 5 games in 5 of the Heinrich Harburg starts and so to be able to do that was uh, an impressive job in and of itself, and and look, we're gonna see uh, maybe more of what this coaching staff like wants to do um, with their offense. You you have the uh, the capability with either Dylan Ryle or Daniel Kalen um, coming in to to do more in the pass game, and the development piece is is obviously important, but uh, being able to just identify talent, identify traits, identify the skill sets of these players, and then putting them in the positions to succeed, setting them up for that success. That is so important in today's college football because it's not a given that you get a super talented guy and he flourishes. You saw the recruiting rankings of Scott Frost's classes not too dissimilar from this 2024 class with Matt Rule. They're they're always in that 20 yeah. range. You know, they're between yeah. 15 and 25 very consistently. That has not translated to success on the field for a long time. And so knowing what Matt Rule has done in his coaching history, knowing what he's already done with players on the roster before he got here and some of the true freshmen that he picked up, plus some of the transfer portal guys, that gives you something to point to uh, as a sign for optimism for 2024 and beyond because they have proven that they can figure out where to put guys to get them in the right spots to give them a shot to to go out on the field and do what they're supposed to do and and be in a position to to win games because of it. That That is... One of the things that that I will take away and and really continue to look at going forward is just identifying the right players for the right spots on the field. They the the position change thing is is a is it's a cliche almost with this staff, but it's so apt because they really do know what they're doing when they do that. I I totally agree. I totally agree, and I think that uh, despite the disappointing end to the season, based off of the tainted past of this program your outlook on this season should be positive even though it even though you didn't get to a bowl game you didn't get the practices it should be positive yeah i agree all right um we uh we are going to get to the grades for this team uh and the athletic department in general uh we're going to get to the 2023 grade 
We are going to get a look at Nebraska men's and women's basketball as well. We'll get you ready for the week ahead and look ahead to 2024. That is Matt McMaster. I'm Cole Stukenholtz. More KLI and Husker Hour right after this. Giving you an inside look at everything Huskers. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN. Keep it a moving. This Saturday morning, you're listening to the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN. I am Matt McMaster, hailing from the largest village in America, Skokie, Illinois. <laughs> Joined, as always, by Cole Stukenholtz, who's at the KLIN studio in Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, big episode today, you know, kind of a year in review of the entire Nebraska athletic department. But if you if you didn't miss anything we talked about, we had Michael Brunts earlier on the show. You can go and download uh, this episode on anywhere you get your podcast, Apple podcast. I think we're on Spotify, any uh, of those arrangements, but keeping it moving here. We're going to give some grades, Cole, some 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 hardcore Grades here. I just got my report card actually from uh, the University of Nebraska Lincoln. All A's and B's, uh, no big deal. There you go. Uh, but uh, now, now uh, Nebraska Athletic Department is going to get their all important report card from us. Wow. Yeah, Matt McMaster, famously young, famously still in college. Uh, by the way, my oldest turns twelve today, so that's how old I hey, am. Hey, happy birthday! Yeah, happy birthday, that's Evie. Great. Good Lord, 12. Well, look, here's the thing. I mean, yeah. I'm a little concerned for myself because at this point, my my age and youngness has become like a brand. So I don't know what's going to happen when I turn <laughs> old like you. But anyway, <laughs> we're going to be uh, uh, giving some great. So, so I'm going to go first. I'll go first. Here's here's how we're going to do it, Cole. I'm going to kind of just quickly run down, every, you know, as many. I, I didn't specifically tell you how many how many sports um, to grade. I, was, I just want to get ahead of it and say I want to apologize to rifle and gymnastics um i i just don't know enough about both sports uh to really give a grade but regardless uh i'm just going to kind of run through them and then i'm gonna for both of us we're gonna leave one sport where we're gonna go a little bit more in depth okay yeah let's do it all right all right football c plus five and seven earned you a c dylan rayola committing at the end of the recruiting cycle bumped them up a grade i give him a c plus basketball b plus 11 and two Big win yesterday over South Carolina State. Uh, they had a great end to last year's season, which was in 2023, one of the best teams in the Big Ten in February. I really like the evolution of Fred Hoiberg as a coach. I think it's a testament to him and his coaching styles change. Can they be picking up wins? Volleyball, we already talked about it. A plus national champion, runner up, uh, volleyball day in Nebraska. We have you know volleyball in general. Cole is is on the rise in terms of sports. And I feel like Nebraska volleyball sparked that. Soccer, big in a elite eight, incredible season. Copey ten champions. Softball, thirty six win season last year. They pick up Jordy Ball. They get an A minus. Wrestling, I do follow wrestling. I love I love me some Nebraska wrestling. I give them an A. They won twelve and three last year in dual meets, seven and one in the Big Ten. They were eighth in the country. Currently three and zero this year. Ninth ranked team. Track and field didn't give a grade. But they hired Justin St. Clair as their full-time head coach. The men finished uh, first place in outdoor uh, in the Big Ten last year. They were ranked throughout the season. I mean, a very, very successful season. A lot of All-Americans, a lot of um, uh, a couple national champions. Just, just very impressive stuff from track and field. The one sport I will go in depth, I'll let you do the grades, and then I'll go in depth, baseball. I got a couple things to say about baseball. Because in all honesty, I was a little disappointed with their season. But, Cole, you give me your grades. Okay, wow. I man, no grade for track and field and yet But good season. Good season. I mean, I'll give him a B plus. I mean Okay. Axelina Johansson, one of the best names sure. in the athletic department, uh national champion Without a doubt. thrower for uh for the Huskers. Okay. So yeah, I, I split football up because I wanted to give them an A minus uh in recruiting, maybe just a okay. flat out A C in uh, on field, they they really could have taken advantage of that five and three record, but they squandered it late. Men's basketball, uh, I give them a B plus. I think you said that as well. Strong finish to the twenty two twenty three season, and then a strong start now here in twenty three twenty four. When World War Two is thrown around, in terms of this is only the fifth time since World War Two <laughs> that they've had one or fewer losses in the non conference. You're yeah. doing something right. 
That's awesome. Women's basketball, uh, I will give a B. Oh. Uh, they they just they they didn't quite make the tournament, but I mean the injury uh, to Allison Widener. Uh, last season yeah. and now this season again, unfortunately. I feel like a dunce. I didn't put Wim. I totally agree with that. A decent start to this season, though. Yeah, they, they, they've got a shot doing some things in Big Ten play. They can make their way to the tournament. And, and the Brit Prince recruiting win is huge as well. Um, with with baseball, uh, I will give them a C+. Uh, they finished fourth in the Big Ten. They, they took Maryland to the literal wall at the Chuck in the semifinals of the Big Ten tournament, but not far enough on that Max Anderson swing. Uh, no tournament appearance for them. Uh, a little bit disappointing. Uh, women's uh, women's basketball, we said. Uh, soccer, I'm glad you brought them up. I forgot to mention them when we talked about the women's sports success. Uh, a, solid A, leading scorer yeah. in the nation, uh, and a great tournament run as well. And with softball, uh, I, it, you, you want to give them... Uh, a little bit higher grade because of the Jordy Ball recruitment, so I'm going to give them a flat-out A. They've set themselves up for a huge 2024. Volleyball, agree, A+. And I'm going to give a bonus point, a bonus uh, grade here, and you may have this in your back pocket as well. I'm going to give Trev Alberts a letter grade. Hey. Uh, solid A. Volleyball yeah. day in Nebraska. Uh, got the stadium project for South Stadium uh, announced and and kind of de- a little bit more narrowly defined uh, time frames, uh, costs, all that stuff is a ton of work and 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 managing the the expectations for football, hiring I think the right guy uh, and and really prioritizing recruiting across the board in all sports and giving those resources where they're needed. Uh, a for the athletic director for me. I totally agree. Great job bringing up Trev Alberts. I really do think he had a great year, and I also to credit to him. I think he stuck to his guns with Hoiberg. I I I, I was a little worried maybe he would. Some athletic directors might have let Fred Hoiberg go. Trev Alberts clearly believed in him, and right now the the fruits of the labor are are kind of being. Um, harvested, but all right, baseball. I gave him a C. I'm gonna tell you something right now, Cole. I'm I was incredibly disappointed with with baseball this year because they st- look 33 and 23 is not a bad record. It's not, but they lost three games against San Diego. They lost two games against Omaha. They lost the game against Nichols. They lost the game against South Dakota State. They lost the game against North Dakota State. They blew a game they should have won to Creighton. They went on the road to Iowa, and they got swept in this series. They absolutely did not need to get swept in. There was no reason that last year's team should not have made the NCAA tournament, and there's no reason they should have at least won. I I mean, look, I named about 10 games that they lost against non-Power 5 opponents. I mean, last year, they should have been a 40-win team. And they should have made. They should have taken Indiana's spot. And 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 in those close games, I mean, if they they pull off that game against Maryland, and they almost beat, you know, they had a chance. And the other time that they played Maryland as well, I'm just I I, I think that maybe I'm being a little bit too harsh on the baseball team, considering the fact they won over 30 games. But when you drop 10 games against non-power five teams in a season where you got two All-Americans, I mean, something has has had got to have changed there. And I think that they they you know I. There's just something maybe off in terms of the culture. It's just inexcusable, in my opinion, about the games that they let slip last year. Yeah, that- um, and and I, I'm confident in the coaching staff. I like Will Bolt, uh, and I and look, they didn't have a bad season last year, but I just feel like there was a lot of meat left on that bone. Yeah, and and the the thing that will haunt me about this 2023 baseball season, the fact that they squandered two All Americans. And Max yeah. Anderson and Bryce Matthews at the height of their powers together, uh, and you still couldn't mm-hmm. get it done. Uh, you ran down the numbers, I believe, uh, with in terms of multiple uh, All Americans or multiple whatever statistics yeah. they had, had accumulated, yeah. uh, and, and they were the only team that didn't make the tournament out of the out of that group. Crazy, yeah, crazy, yeah, t- tough stuff. So uh, that's uh, that's a little bit of a rundown of your 2023 year in review from Matt and I. Uh, we've got uh, basketball to get you ready for next week. And uh, then it's 2024, baby. We'll be back uh, with that show on January 6th. Matt, maybe not. I believe he'll be in the air at that point. We'll uh, we'll get you caught up uh, and ready for next week when we come back and wrap this thing up here on the KLI and Husker Hour. 
giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. It was on Big Ten Plus last night, so I'm not sure if everybody listening was able to watch. But Nebraska led at halftime yesterday in their men's basketball matchup with South South Carolina State. 50 to 11. South Carolina State had 11 first half points. They shot 11.9% from the floor. And they set a record for fewest points uh, in a first half uh, for uh, Pinnacle Bank Arena's era. Uh, It was... (laughs) Uh, it was a basketball game. I mean, it was it was kind of tough to watch at times, but then again, it was also hilarious to watch because you had guys going up for layups, and then Josiah Alec would just like swallow them whole. They had no seven, chance. Yeah, seven blocks yesterday. I mean, just a really good defensive effort. I like how this team, this Nebraska team, has responded to mistakes that they made in the past. They played North Dakota State, uh, North Dakota, North Dakota rather. Yep. And they did not come out and they did not play at their top to begin the game. And they almost lost that game yesterday. They came out firing at all cylinders. We've seen it multiple times in this team. Their ability to bounce back from lessons that they've learned through poor performances. So yesterday, incredibly impressive and a great way to end your non-conference schedule uh, before you, you head into the Big Ten schedule, which begins January 3rd against a good Indiana basketball team. Yeah, and, and look, South Carolina is obviously an awful basketball team. But yeah, to your point about the North Dakota game, they did not come out strong in that one. They absolutely came out the way they needed to uh, yesterday and took care of business. So yeah, yeah like you said, uh, the, men's, the men's next three are really, really big. They are home for Indiana. They are at Wisconsin, and they are home for Purdue. Uh, obviously, Purdue, top five team in the country. They may be number one. I'm not sure where they're at right this moment. But uh, Indiana... Uh, is going to be a tough out in that own, in their own right. That one is January third. It's before students get back. That's the, the the environment won't be as lit up as as you would hope it might be. But still, uh, you hope that Nebraska can maybe steal that one at home. Uh, and then you go on the road to take on the Badgers. Uh, the women, Matt, they have Maryland coming up here on Sunday. That's at home. Uh, then th- the following Thursday, they are at Wisconsin, and then they are home for Indiana. They are retiring Jordan Hooper, uh, her number 35. She'll go up in the rafters uh, at PBA. Go to that game. That's their sellout game. That's kind of a women's basketball's uh, a big game this year. So I encourage anyone who uh, is interested in basketball, they, they've been putting on a great product this year, so that'd be a great game to go to, uh, especially in kind of that uh, limbo. Kids aren't back to school just yet, but they're getting there. So uh, yeah. be uh, really excited excited for both basketball seasons. All right. That's Matt McMaster from Skokie, Illinois. Uh, thanks yes. to Michael Brunts from Husker 24-7 for joining as well. I'm Cole Stukenholtz. That's a wrap for 2023. Happy New Year. Go Big Red.